Do you know what your values are and how they inform what you do, why you do it, and how you approach your life and career? Let's talk about truly living your values right here on episode 218 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I'm so grateful you're listening, as I always am, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me for months and or years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career. And as always, I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a positive and quite inspired direction. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for The Nurse Keith Show over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where you listen to podcasts, actually? Would you do that for me, pretty please? It really helps other people find the show and for The Nurse Keith Show to rise in the ranks of iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Anyway, if you want to see the show notes for this episode and all the links and everything, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 218. So today we are welcoming Jacob Morris, the founder of the Discover Your Values program. We're going to talk much, much more about his bio and where he is and what he does and why he does it during the course of this conversation. So Jacob, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Keith, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am thrilled that you're here. And, you know, you work in this whole area of values. And for that nurse sitting out there thinking, what the heck do my values have to do with what I do in my job or in my life? What would you say to that person about values? I would say that values are everything. Uh, values are our guiding principles. They are our motivations. And when we are able to align our motivations with our actions, great things happen. And so it's good to know what our values are and live by them. Oh, okay. So when you're talking about values, it really has to do with what you believe, right? Yeah. 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 So your values kind of underscore the ways in which you, what, like interact with people, do your job, the choices you make as a consumer. Is that, are those the areas where it impacts? It definitely impacts, I would say, pretty much every domain of your life because we're making really decisions every day and all day. And we're making hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions all the time. Though I think um, Sheena Iyengar at Columbia University did a study a couple years ago to kind of look at how many decisions does a person make in a day. And there's some research out there that says that we make, I think, like 30, 40,000 decisions in one day. But a lot of that is completely unconscious. But in her research, she says, you know, we make probably about 70 conscious decisions a day. I would imagine in the field of nursing, there's probably more than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a lot of that, I'm sure, is procedural. So you, you're making decisions relative to protocol. But then there's a lot of things that are about you mm-hmm. and what you want out of your life. And so as we think about the decisions that we want to make in our lives, whether it's around our career, our health, our finances, relationships, all these things, sometimes people struggle with these things, you know, because we get so wrapped up in the world and our jobs and all these things. And so 
when we go back to our values, we are going back to a place where we're very grounded with, well, what do you want out of this lifetime? Mm -hmm. I see. So, I mean, I see that around making decisions, whether at work, like you're a nurse in the ICU and you have to make a decision about everything you possibly do in the course of the day, pretty much. And like you said, some of it's unconscious. We also make decisions as consumers, right? So mm -hmm. like just today, I was at the food co-op and there were strawberries on sale and they're in one of those, uh, whatever you call it, clamshell container, you know, clear plastic container. And I was like, I just don't want to buy that today. That doesn't feel good to me. So apparently mm -hmm. my value of not wanting to use single use plastic, which I really try not to, really mm -hmm. took hold. And then I was at a store today and I bought a, um, it's a little titanium spork, you know, a spoon fork. And it also mm -hmm. has like a bottle opener and other stuff on it. And I put it on my keychain. And I also keep a little set of bamboo utensils and a metal straw in the glove compartment of each of our cars. So that when we go somewhere, we don't have to use plastic utensils from a restaurant or to-go place. So those are some of my values at work in my day-to-day -day personal life. Wow. Right? That's a great example because Thank you. thought of it myself. Yeah. Yeah. This is a wonderful <laughs> example because the the underlying motivation in what you've described there is protection of the environment. Yeah. And that is a value. And so that's a wonderful example and a wonderful way to think about how we align our motivations with our actions and to live in a way that we find fulfilling. I see. So you mentioned a study a few minutes ago when we first started chatting. And is there a lot of research out there and methodology out there around this whole values-based way of living and way of looking at human nature and human lives? Is there like a lot of data out there right now? There is, and I will say it still has a very long way to go, but I, there is absolutely a body of knowledge that has been developing over some period of time. And so in the last hundred years, there probably have been about three major studies on human values. One from Gordon Allport in the 30s, Milton Rokish in the late 60s, and then Shalom Schwartz uh, introduced his studies in the early 90s. And his work is considered to be some of the more prevailing work on this, the study of human values. And so just with his framework on values, there are over 200 studies across uh, 80 different countries. So there is a, a quite large body of knowledge that we have now on values. And then in between, there's a lot of other things. So there's a lot of psychologists who've been able to take some of their research and kind of turn that into programs uh, and work within kind of a business context as well. So there's a plethora of um, research out there. Though I will say if we were to compare the applications of values work and how we're working with this research compared to other things, like for example, strengths, if someone's ever taken Clifton Strengths Finder or or some of the other strength assessments that are out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of that research has, I believe, uh, an even larger uh, or has seen a larger amount of, of growth just because they've been packaged up and, and proliferated quite extensively through a business setting. So I see. 
Yeah. So values hasn't, I don't think, gotten as far as maybe something as as strong as what Gallup has done with Strengths Finder, but but it's growing and it, and it should be because we're we're at a time now where I think it's it's needed and and as people are trying to unravel their own personal mysteries with life and what they want out of it. Right. And you founded Discover Your Values and that's discoveryourvalues.com and you're all over social media and it's you describe it as a grassroots effort to bring the latest research on values-based development to the forefront of the coaching industry and to the general public and that it's all through the work of Shalom Schwartz the social psychologist and mm-hmm. you've received coaching training from Gallup from well coaches from Harvard University you're a Gallup certified strengths coach and you've worked in the Fortune 100 arena and you've done marketing and e-commerce and product development and sales and communications, all that stuff. So you've been around and you've lived on three continents. Are you still in the liberal arts program at Harvard? Yes. I'm a senior this year. So it's, I've been in that almost, almost a decade. So I'm excited. (laughs) Professional student. All right. Yeah. So all of this work you've done, like I'm assuming even your work in the fortune 100, I'm, assuming has had an impact on the way that you've approached this values-based work. And you probably look back at the work you did in the Mm -hmm. corporate world through the lens of your values work, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I think, uh, well, one, I I think I had, well, I had a a great career. I also had a tremendous amount of struggle in in my corporate work too, because I was trying to find my own path and my own way um, in that work. And I, I was experiencing success in a lot of the work, but I wasn't fulfilled completely by all of it. And as I got closer to the end of that career, I felt called to do something else. And so... And I see this with a lot of other individuals in their work environments is that we, you know, we we follow the social norms that we think we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to college, get a good job, you know, contribute and do all of these wonderful things in the workplace. But what I find with a lot of people is that there's some pre-work that needs to get done probably before we make decisions about what we want to do with our lives, because what happens is a lot of times we'll we'll go with work or assignments that you know look great on paper um, but may not be entirely aligned with our motivations and that can create a lot of problems in in the workspace and as i look back at the teams i've managed the other people i've worked with some people are exactly where they need to be mm-hmm. and and you know that because everything just is kind of in alignment for them and then some people are fighting it tooth and nail, you know, whatever they're in constantly all the time. Or they have this nagging sense that something is off. And that's sort of something telling you that's that that something is not where it should be. And or either there's an opportunity here for you to get better alignment in what you want to do. And so it started with the corporate work for sure. And then when I got into the world of coaching, I started having coaching calls. And even though I don't do a lot of coaching now, because I really run this business and really assessment tools and software. But as I started having more conversations with coaches, and 
clients, I started realizing, one, that coaches didn't have solid tools to coach for values. And a lot of that is just due to the fact that we still have a long way to go on the research. And then two, talking to just general public, a lot of these folks are struggling to make decisions every day. And when you ask people what their values are, a lot of people don't know. And yet they sort of do. They've just never really sat down and really properly given that some time to articulate it so that we can kind of build a framework in your mind of here's what I'm about and Mm -hmm. here's, you know, what I need. And I think when you do that and you get that level of clarity, so many other things become so much more clear for you. And so I said, there's an opportunity here to really do something with values in a way that's meaningful and relevant um, in the lives of so many right now. Yeah, that makes a great amount of sense. And what I think about when I think about when our values are challenged, especially say in our workplace, what I've experienced personally is this sense of cognitive dissonance. Like Mm -hmm. I'm being asked to do something that I'm not comfortable doing because I think it's, there's either an ethic ethical or moral issue at stake or Maybe the company or organization is being run in a way that feels like it's bumping up against my value system. And that has happened to me in several healthcare jobs where I felt like this does not feel right. I don't like the decisions that are being made and the way those decisions are impacting either the way I do my job or the care my patients or clients are receiving causes me cognitive dissonance and discomfort. And I either Mm -hmm. have to speak up try to change it or get the heck out. And I've gotten the heck out a couple times. And now I work for myself, so I can work based on my own values 24-7. But when I was in the working world as a nurse, I often came up against that. And for a nurse sitting in her living room or her car, or she's jogging somewhere doing laundry and she's listening to this podcast episode right now. And she isn't necessarily aware of what her specific values are, but she has a sense of where her values would fall if she really gave it deep thought. What would you say to her if she feels like, you know, when I go to work, I feel like I'm not really living my values because of the place I work and the kind of work I'm pushed to do. And it goes against the grain of who I actually am. What would you say to that person? I, I think the first step I would say is let's look at awareness. And so while we may have some familiarity with our motivations that would probably be a really great time in that nurse's life to just pause for a moment and said, you know what, I'm going to spend a couple hours just reevaluating what I'm all about. And because I think the first challenge for so many people is that we get caught up in the constant churn of life, you know, and that I'm just, I'm running, you know, 24 seven, I've got a lot of things to do. And so I think the first thing I would do would be to pause and reflect and see what is truly important to you because if you're going against the grain of something and, and that feels uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that, that is not a, that is not a good feeling. It's a feeling where we often don't feel like we're thriving, uh, in what we're doing. And there may be an opportunity to recast yourself into a different opportunity or position, 
Or, and I realize that can also feel very daunting too, because people sometimes don't want this level of clarity because it will prompt change. And so a lot of people will use avoidance strategies to completely avoid even what I'm talking about sometimes. And so sometimes addressing that too is, is also really important. But once we get clear about what our motivations are, it's much easier to chart a course that's, that's right for you. And you don't have to do that in one full swoop though. I think just getting clarity is, is the first step. Uh, and then finding what possibilities exist for you, you know, beyond that Mm -hmm. clarity. Good. Okay. That's, that's really helpful. And for that nurse that I was just speaking about, she may feel that let's say the nurse patient ratios in her hospital are too high. And you live in Bangkok, Thailand right now, and you were telling me how the quality of healthcare is such that you felt like you had incredible care and Mm -hmm. nursing care and medical care. And here in the United States, a lot of nurses feel like they take care of too many patients at the same time. They're having to focus solely on their tasks and not on the relationship and the communication that really is what makes nursing care what it is or what it's supposed to be and what we strive Mm -hmm. to make it be. So this nurse who's listening right now might feel that cognitive dissonance as if she's thinking to herself, I just can't provide the care that I was trained to do and that I want to provide because this organization is not setting me up for success. They're setting me up for stress, failure, and maybe burnout or compassion fatigue. So Mm -hmm. I work with clients all the time, nurses from all over the U.S., and I hear from nurses from around the world that they feel And they don't say it this way, but I have a sense actually speaking with you and doing the research that I personally done about the work you're doing and reading up on it, that their value system is actually being challenged and they're feeling pushed to live and work outside of what they feel is right. And that's a very difficult thing when a person has children and responsibilities and bills to pay and trying to find a workplace that aligns with your values can be a great, great challenge. Mm -hmm. So what do we do when we feel like we want to do the work we do, but we're not, we're having trouble finding a place where we feel like we can actually work in alignment with our values. What do we do? (laughs) You're right. I mean, this is probably one of the biggest questions um, I hear all the time is, you know, well, I kind of have an idea of what I like, but the work environment I'm in stinks and, but I want to be involved in it. I just, I've got to find the right flavor of it for me, you know, and uh, this comes up quite a bit. And I think this is where I think, again, back to that kind of pause and reflect, you know, nursing is a pretty broad field. It is. You know, it, it, it is massive. I mean, in, just in the conversations you and I've had around in prior conversations around just the depth and breadth of of nursing is astounding. I mean, there's a lot there. And I and so I think, for example, you were kind of talking about some of the motivations around being helpful and communication and establishing relationships. Mm-hmm. If you're in an environment where it is difficult to honor those things. Where in the field of nursing is that more of a possibility? And and where does that exist so that you can live 
in alignment. If, if those two things are the are the motivation, where in the field of nursing could one go to receive or or at least have the ability to honor more of of that motivation? You know, at an individual level. Mm. Excellent point. So I'm going to illustrate this with a story that many listeners have probably already heard, and they're they're probably going to fall asleep while I tell it, but I'll make it really quick that when I graduated from nursing school, my values dictated that I would not get a job in a hospital because I felt I couldn't do the kind of nursing I wanted to do in a hospital setting. I wanted to work out in the community and doing home health and working in a community health center in an underserved inner city environment. That's what I chose to do, which everyone said was stupid. They said, you have to get hospital experience first. But my values told me that even though I did well in the hospital as a student nurse, I did not want to subject myself to that particular environment. So I went my own way, like I always do in almost every aspect of my life, because my values dictate often that I do things differently from other people. And I often talk about this notion of people shooting on you. They're always telling you what you should do, and they're they're shooting all over you. And I, I don't stand for that in my life. And that's one of my values. I don't do things because I think I'm supposed to. I do the things mm-hmm. I want to do. I mean, I send birthday cards because I think I should, but I actually enjoy sending birthday cards, right? That's a value of mine. I don't send birthday emails usually. I actually send a card by U.S. Postal Service, which <laughs> is, may seem kind of anachronistic, but it's something that I value and I do that. So in my work world, I decided that I needed to work out in the community and have the opportunity to work one-on-one with people in home health or hospice, et cetera. And now my values have led me to become an entrepreneur so that rather than be a nurse out in the world trying to change the system from the inside, I've decided that I want to work with nurses one-on-one to help them change their careers and their lives and how they approach it. And I'm, I'm actually contributing to positive and quality patient care because my values had le- have led me to guide nurses towards taking their careers where they want them to be. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm impacting the healthcare system in a different way. So I found my path and I try to help other nurses find their path. And I think this values work is really important because You mentioned a word earlier, motivation. What are your motivations? And are motivations born of values or values born of motivation? Uh, It's a good question. And there's, uh, when we talk about the definition of values, um, this is something that has in the research over the last hundred years. And one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of research on values is because psychologists couldn't agree on what a value actually was. <laughs> I see. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So the psychological definition for it is relatively new and, and Schwartz breaks this out into six different parts, but values are beliefs, you know, that are, are drivers of, of motivation. Now, sometimes people do ask me, and I, I think when I heard this question too, you know, are, how much of our values are nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this question has also comes up on the strength spectrum as well when people are looking at their strengths. And, and really, it, it's a combination of 
of both. And so, but your nature is informed by a, a much of your life experience or, or maybe all of your life experience, some people would, would argue. And nurture as well plays a component there because we've all been raised within social systems of either faith, school, community, parents. And so within the context of those environments, um, we've had imprinted onto us value systems and right, right. and those value systems you may agree with and and live by now and some people have value systems that were imparted onto them at a young age that they don't agree with but have fear from breaking away from the norm and that's a whole other thing and it which I, I think is really relevant to this this topic too is that a lot of times people have fear around living by their values oh sure like I could have chosen to work in a hospital because I was afraid to go against what everyone was saying I should do. There's there's a fear there. And religion can also affect people in those ways. And Mm -hmm. well, uh, gosh, we could go on and on and on with how we're affected. And we're going to take a really quick break and don't touch that dial. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how you can actually assess your own values and figure out how to apply them to your own life. So we will be right back with the second half of the episode. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of the Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. And we're back. Thank you for hanging out here with me and with Jacob Morris of discoveryourvalues.com. Jacob, we were talking about values and what they mean and where they come from and and how they've impacted me and my life, for instance. And we talked about a nurse out there listening and you gave a little bit of advice. So now, based on the work you're doing and the work of Dr. Shalom Schwartz and this whole notion of values and how they inform what we do and why we do it and how we go about living our lives, whether it's carrying 
bamboo utensils so you don't have to use plastic utensils or wanting to spend one-on-one time with your patients. It impacts personal and professional lives. So if someone wants to discover their values, what's the biggest challenge to actually get there? Yeah, I I think the biggest challenge for most people in any sort of sort of personal development or professional development is taking the time to actually do it. And I say this because I also used to work in in learning and development within a corporate context. And a lot of times people love the idea of personal development. Mm -hmm. You know, we love the idea of buying books about things that we're interested in and then often never reading them. (laughs) So, Oh, sure. uh, Yeah. The Japanese have a word for this. It's called sundoku. It means a person who buys books but never reads them in in kind of layman's terms. But it, so I think the biggest challenge for a lot of people is taking the time to do it, you know, and that we life is so busy. It's so chaotic that to take an hour for some people it is very difficult to do um, and figure out what you want. And that in and of itself may need some coaching too, you know, and that someone may just be so overwhelmed by life that taking, you know, time or personal care or self-care can feel very daunting to do. And so sometimes we might have to address that. But if you've got the time, that's the first place I think you start is to look at some of the tools and resources that we have available to help you discover that. And and the real beauty in Dr. Schwartz's work is that Dr. Schwartz theorizes that of all of the thousands of words that we use to describe our values, that the broad underlying motivation of those terms can actually be distilled down into a framework, framework of 10 value categories and 57 individual values, which is great because it gives us a common language of understanding in terms of how we think about our values. So for the person that's out there feeling stressed around, oh, I don't know, because sometimes when you think about stuff in the context of personal development, sometimes that feels so nebulous for people. They're like, I don't know, I got to come up with stuff. The great thing about Dr. Schwartz's work, he's given us a framework. So Mm -hmm. if you're feeling overwhelmed about even going down this path, you've got a list we can put in front of you that isn't just some list of arbitrary words. Uh, there's a there's quite a bit of science and research behind it to help you navigate that a little bit more easily uh, and find what's important to you right now in your life. Right. And I'm looking right now at what you sent me. It's the Schwartz Value Survey. And mm-hmm. this is what people will receive when they take part in doing this program with discoveryourvalues.com. And when I look at this, those 10 areas, you said the theory of basic human values, and what did you call them? The 10? Yeah, it's it's comprised of 10 value categories. Categories, then, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And I see, can I name the 10? Yeah, Ma'am? go ahead. Okay, yeah, so ahead. the 10 are power, achievement, hedonism, stimulation, self-direction, universalism, benevolence, tradition, conformity, and security. Those are the 10 categories of basic human values. And then there are 57 that actually are the actual values and they fit into one of those categories, correct? That's right. Yeah. So you and I were talking about my predilection for not using 
well, I didn't mention this, but I don't use plastic straws. I try not to use plastic utensils, etc. Under universalism, that category, one of the values is protecting the environment. So mm-hmm. that is likely going to, when I finish the survey, which I have begun, when I finish the survey, I'm assuming protecting the environment or universalism are going to figure fairly high in my value system. Do, don't you think? But yes, they might. And I think especially when you're living by it so much, and that's usually a good indicator in the, the survey of the intensity or the strength of that particular domain. Because sometimes when people do these types of personality or uh, psychological assessments, a lot of times people will check everything that they agree with versus you know what their actual motivations are or the way that their behaviors play out. And there's a distinction between the two uh, in, in that area and that we, when we think about our values and our motivations, I find that in the co- from the coaching work that you can discover your values often by looking at kind of peak and valley experiences in your life. So, you know, the moments where you're having great success and then moments where you don't feel that way because often you will find in those moments expressions of value. And you will also find it in the choices that you make every day, you know? And so if you're making conscious choices every day to protect the environment, that's a great demonstration of you living by your values. But sometimes protection of the environment is another great example because there's a lot of people that agree with it. And I I had a long debate with my mother because she took the assessment a couple months ago and she rated protection of the environment really high. Mm. And, um, but I, I know my mother, she doesn't recycle. Uh, she doesn't really do a lot of things to protect the environment (laughs) and, and, but she agrees with it. And so she's, she's an, she's an advocate for it, but she's not putting, you know, her advocacy for it necessarily into action. And so that's one of the things that we kind of coach through in the workbook as well is really to try to make the distinction between, something that you agree with strongly versus what you actually do, because what you actually do, where you spend your time and energy and money are usually good indicators of, of what your true motivations are and what your true values are. And so I think it's good to make that distinction because otherwise people will do assessments like this and they'll, well, I like everything. And it's like, well, we got to drill down a little bit further to actually figure out what you want. And, and there's a couple ways we can do that. And usually your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and, and kind of those peaks and valleys in your life are, are really good indicators of, of what true motivators are for you. I see. So when I look at this list, I see tradition and, you know, religion doesn't really figure in my life. Spirituality figures in my life in my own particular way. I'm not a devout person, but I have respect for tradition. So it's not something I actually, it's not like a big presence in my life, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. So that one probably isn't going to figure very well for me, but others are going to be really important to me. And if someone wants to take this survey, it's a pretty simple survey. It doesn't, it's not very difficult. I'm just taking my time doing it because I have a lot going on in my life. But at this point, they can actually go to nursekeith.com to the resources drop-down menu, and they can click on discover your values and actually take the survey through my website. Correct? That's right. That's right. And 
it's it's an affordable thing to do. It's not like a huge investment, correct? That's right. It's the assessment is nineteen ninety nine, and it comes with not only the assessment but also a full workbook. So while the assessment uh, I generally find takes about 30, 40 minutes for people to work through. Sometimes it might be faster, might be longer. It comes with a full workbook too. So it isn't just the assessment. It's almost like a a little coaching session in it too, because there's a lot of things in there that you can work through um, on your own. And I would invite people to also work with a coach. So if, if people are also needing coaching within the realm of nursing, this is also a great workbook to work with, with a coach to get more clarity about these values. Yeah, the workbook is very interesting. It asks questions like, what observations have you made about the priority of your values? This is after you end up listing them and you take the Mm -hmm. survey, or how might your fresh understanding of these values help you make better decisions? Or what is the biggest challenge you face related to living by your values? Mm -hmm. So that nurse we mentioned earlier might feel that where her values are most challenged is actually in her workplace. Or another nurse might say, yeah, my workplace is actually pretty cool. Like things are pretty copacetic. Where I feel stretched in terms of my values is in my family relationships. Or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm involved in a church or religious or spiritual community that no longer really aligns with how I feel in my life right now. So, you know, there's a nurse I know out there who is very outspoken on social media about the fact that she and her husband left the Church of Latter-day Saints in Utah, and Mm -hmm. that's called an apostasy. And because that was no longer aligned with their values and how they wanted to live and raise their children. So there are worst case scenarios. There are great scenarios for values. And do you recommend that this is important work for most any human being who actually wants to understand themselves? Or are there certain people for whom this actually doesn't really hold much much weight or water in their lives? Yeah, I think great question. So I think if you if you have a incredibly grounded life right now and you're living your best life and mm-hmm. you have for quite some time and you feel already very connected to your values. And there are some people that have incredible self-awareness, there are, you know, around yeah. that around who and what they are. So True. I would say if you're if you're in that category, this may not serve you fully. Um, though I do think it is good to do these activities kind of every decade to see where you are, because a lot of values stay the same, but some change over time, and so sometimes that clarity can be helpful. What I tend to find though is that. The example I just described often tends to be the exception rather than the rule for Mm -hmm. most people and that a lot of people are struggling to find their identity and what they want and all these types of things within the work that they do and and in the way that they live. So I find there's broad application for this work. And I think a lot of universities are picking up on this too uh, because we're seeing a lot of traction in the academic space and that... This type of work, whether it be a strengths assessment, values assessment, these are really good things to do before you even name what you want to do for a living, Hmm. you know, and and getting a sense of what your motivations are before we even define a career path. So we're seeing a lot of work um, and traction being done in an academic setting to try to catch, you know, emerging professionals um, before they make decisions around, you know, how they want to invest their time and resources um, from an education standpoint 
um, because those are big investments. You know, a lot of kids will go off to college and say, well, I want to be a doctor and, you know, and it's like or a nurse or a number of other things. And and what does that actually mean? Are we are we identifying with the things that we find sexy with that role and therefore I'm going to go study it versus what my actual motivations are? And so there's a, there's a lot of opportunity in this work to figure out even before we make decisions who and what we are. And if you've already made it, that's okay too because you know, tomorrow is always a new new day for us. And so we can always try to realign our, our path in a way that, that fits us um, if we have better clarity around what we want. That's a really, really good point. And I could see how it could be very useful for college students. And I'm assuming this might be a little too much for, for high school students, or perhaps maybe graduating seniors might really align with this because it could help them make some decisions. But I'm assuming the more maturity you have under your belt, the easier and more, the more it might be, you might be able to really connect with what you truly believe. Yeah, I, that's totally right. I think the older you get, I think the the more in tune we are with just around what we think and want and our tastes mature in so yeah. many different ways, you know, and that we get very specific about what we want. And I think the sooner we start the conversation, I think it's helpful. And to your point, I don't know that an 18 or 19 year old, even if they did this assessment, though I, we have had plenty do it and have found it to be fruitful, you only know so much, you know, at, at different mm-hmm. stages at your life. And so, though there is some debate around there around how much do values actually change over a person's life. And I think, again, a lot of that is informed by kind of that nature versus nurture. So some of those things will will probably never change. And then some will, because we will have had certain life experience that says, well, I like this and I don't like that. And there's a really great video from Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. It's one of his speeches. It's called Five Minutes for the Next 50 Years of Your Life. And it's an incredibly powerful speech. And I'll have to, if we've got room in the show notes, it'd be a great video to to share. But there's a quote in there that he says, or a statement that he makes that basically says, finding out who you are is not knowing that often explicitly. It's by defining what you're not, you know, and, and by defining what you learn over time that you don't want. And so a lot of you making self-discovery about yourself is this process of identifying what you don't want first before you identify what you do want. And when he said that, I was like, ah, yes, that's that's a wise, um, wise little gem there that, you know, often we have to kind of go through life by identifying what we don't want first before we find right. out what we do want. Right. Mm-hmm. I just found the video with Matthew McConaughey, five minutes for the next 50 years of your life. So we will definitely get this in the show notes because there's plenty of space in the show notes. We can have <laughs> everything in there that we want. Here's a couple more questions before we go, because we we're starting to wrap up. One, do you think that life in the 21st century is more challenging in terms of living according to our values, or is it becoming easier to live according to our values? Well, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, Big question. I, I think it. I think it could be a mix of of both. Okay. Um, certainly, a lot of people are are conflicted around 
what they want to do because we're seeing a lot of values-based development in a lot of domains right now. So there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for people to get more in alignment with their values. And the example we've used a lot today is around kind of protection of the environment, you know. And so if you look at that, there's lots of opportunities to do that now than perhaps, say, 100 years ago where no one was thinking about recycling, you know. and Or 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Yeah, or (laughs) – right, exactly. So there's a lot more – opportunity to engage with that. Another great example is there's several investment firms out there now that focus on social investment. So if you want to look at your 401k in a way where I want to make investments that align with my values, you can do that now. I mean, so there's a lot of things out there that promote your ability to get in alignment. Having said that, there's some struggle with it too, uh, and that we've, you've got to navigate all of this and, and we're constantly inundated with social media, communication, a lot of different things. There's a lot of stress and pressure during the day to just get your shoes on and get through <laughs> the day. And so that's true. I, that's so true. So I don't want to underestimate the the difficulty of of that. So I think certainly more opportunity to live by our values and it is happening. And you know, if we were to go back fifty or a hundred years people wouldn't even be having these conversations probably, you know, and, That's and true. yeah, I, I remember conversation with my great grandmother. She was born in 1906 and she told me this story about walking to school in the cold when it was snowing and her life at that time was so much about survival and just kind of getting like getting where you need to get to and getting fed. And mm-hmm. it wasn't a, you know, I want to protect the environment. I appreciate, you know, a world of beauty. And I, yeah. just I want to weren't... grow as an individual and, yeah. and actualize my spirit, yeah. spiritual yearnings. Right. So, right. The 21st century offers us a lot of choices. And also on a societal level, and we do have to go soon, but on a societal level, we've got new definitions of what gender means, for instance, new definitions of what marriage or love mean or what family means. And there may be a nurse listening right now, and his values are that he doesn't want to work in a place where abortions are performed. And I honor that choice by him, and he needs to find a workplace where he can work according to his values. Or there might be a nurse out there who listening who wants to work where abortions are performed because she feels it's really important to protect yeah. that right. And, you know, there are people who want to support the transgender community and would love to provide health care to them. And I've done that quite a bit. And it's been one of the joys in my nursing career to work with people in the transgender community. And other people don't want to work with that community. And we need to honor those values. But we each have to make our own decision about where we work, what we do, who we work for, who we work with, the patients we care for, and make sure that we feel aligned with what we do and why we're doing it and who we're doing it with. And I think it's a complicated world, but I think these conversations are pretty, pretty important to have right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we absolutely need to be having them because it's, it's popping up in every domain of life at the moment. And people are now being given the option to redirect their paths in in ways that are more fulfilling to you as an individual. And that's a very powerful thing. That is a powerful thing. And, you know, speaking of values, Jacob, uh, what are your three top values that you've discovered? 
Yeah. So my my top three are creativity, freedom, and curiosity. Ooh, uh, nice. Creativity, freedom, and curiosity. And I know that you've lived on three continents and you're currently living on, in Bangkok. And I can see where the freedom to travel and work from anywhere on the planet is pretty important to you, isn't it? It is. And I think freedom is... Um, is a lens that I filter a lot of my decisions now, you know, and, and through this work, I, I am constantly filtering freedom probably more than anything else, to be honest. Wow. And I mm-hmm. bet your curiosity has led you to the places you've traveled and to do the things you do every day. It sure has. And mm-hmm. I, I do love it. It's, it's great to get out and explore the world. That's wonderful. And, you know, if people want to connect with you, you're at Twitter, discover values, just those two words, discover values. Instagram mm-hmm. is discover your values. Facebook is discover values. And then you're actually at discoveryourvalues.com. And if listeners want to take the actual survey, they can go to nursekeith.com to the drop down menu under resources and click on discover your values and take the survey. And it's only $19.99, not $1,999. And you will learn a lot about yourself. So, Jacob, you are amazing. And it is such a joy to know you. And this is incredible work. And I think for that listener out there who is really wondering about what it is they do and why they do it and how they can align themselves more with what they believe, this is really an incredible tool. And I, I'm so grateful to you for bringing it to my attention. Thank you. I'm so excited to bring this to the ecosystem of nursing and excited to see where it goes next. And and for the folks that are listening, please share feedback. I, I, I listen and act and listen again. And, I, and that's important with this work because it's relatively new and that it's being operationalized for coaching applications. And so mm. um, any feedback that people want to share either directly with Keith or me is absolutely welcomed. So thank wonderful, you. Jacob. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to The Nurse Keith Show. Remember that the show notes for this episode are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 218. There's definitely going to be some stuff for you to see, including that video of Matthew McConaughey. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered, and I hope that you will take the assessment, talk to me about it, and I encourage you to use it as a way to discover what you truly want in your life. And did you know there are actually on that resources drop down at nursekeith.com other than discover your values? There's also job boards from Reload and ZipRecruiter and lots of other great stuff for you to check out. So please head over to nursekeith.com to the resource drop down menu and explore. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his awesome team at thepodcastinggroup.com. And Mark Capispeason is our social media maven. Please tune in again as we continue to explore how to powerfully and consistently elevate your career into your very own professional stratosphere. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. And this is Nurse Keith saying adios until next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Jacob Morris bidding you adieu from Bangkok. Bangkok, Thailand. Okay, thank you so much, Jacob, and we will catch everyone 
on the other side.